Welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. This podcast is about learning from and being inspired by people who have been successful because they found what they were passionate about, created something special, and most of all, they gave themselves permission to go and do it. The genesis of this podcast is the inspirational lives of Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and their world-changing impact. The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place advisors come to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. And I couldn't be more excited to have Joe Biondo with us. Joe is the founder of Biondo Investment Advisors, a comprehensive financial services firm that specializes in proprietary asset management. Thanks so much for being with us, Joe. Thank you, Doug, and thanks for having me on. You've had quite a career in financial services, and I'm going to start out with, with a big question. It's my feeling that the industry has kind of lost its focus, the end investor. Do you agree or am I way off base? No, I, I totally agree. Um, I stay in touch with a number of friends that I've developed over the years in the business, and I don't find many that are with wirehouses that, that are happy. So most advisors that I talk to regularly are uh, just finding it a difficult environment to work at the wirehouse. Let's go back and tell us why you started in this industry and when you found that interest in it. Well, I was a youngster and a friend of mine suggested that I buy a stock and I bought Armour Meat company warrants. And in a matter of less than a couple of months, I believe my money doubled. So I had, I think, put in $180 and it became worth about $380. And I thought, wow, this is terrific. So that was my first taste of Wall Street. And um, it's been fascinating to me ever since. And I'm there now almost 60 years. So being in the industry 60 years, take us back to how you got that first job. After the broker who had an office about an hour from our home made me some money over a three or four year period, I had decided that maybe it would be interesting to see if I could get into the business. So one day while I'm driving to New York to uh, uh, go to work, I turned around about halfway there, went home, put on the suit and drove to the office uh, where the gentleman um, had been, you know, making me some money. And I suggested to him that I'd like to have an interview for a job. And he told me how difficult it would be. And so I left with no promise of anything. And subsequent to that, that happened a second time. And then the third time, again, I was halfway to New York. I turned around, put on a suit, went back. And I said to the gentleman, his name was Fred Titus. And the firm was low roads. I said, I'll work for free. And he said, you're really serious. I said, I am. And he arranged for me to get an interview. And uh, fortunately, I was hired after that. How big was the area that you got this job in? And was it hard to build a book at that time? It was hard. First of all, the, the town of Port Jervis, New York is 8,500 people where we had our office recently is a town of only 950 people, and it's at the end of Appalachia. So 
the income levels are below the national averages. I think we were fortunate in that there were a couple of gentlemen in town who embraced and mentored me in the Rotary Club and the Lions Club. And so I could get to meet some people. And fortunately, uh, it worked out that we made people some money. And then the referral base started and the business was grown from that referral base. What were the old wirehouses like? My recollection is that green sheets were passed out every week to measure production, which we know is not really in the client's best interest. Yeah, they did measure. But Doug, I don't think that the competitiveness of where you stood in the pecking order of production was a bad thing. It was an incentive to try and beat out your fellow advisor. And I mean, it wasn't the day when, you know, products were sold and commissions were higher, but I would say for the most part, the people that I remember and those that became successful over time took the long view, not the short view on money that could be earned by a trade or a product sale. But what am I going to do to enhance the well-being of my client over the next three, five, 10 year period of time. So although there was a competitiveness, I think those that really stayed in the business took a longer, more holistic view of the relationship with the client. By taking that longer holistic view of the client, you built a pretty significant business while you were there. Yes. Yes. We were in the top, uh, top handful of uh, brokers nationally at uh, Low Bros. Before there were a number of mergers after that, when the firm changed names, I actually never changed an office. So I was in the same location for many, many years, uh, almost 40, I guess. And the door, the door plaque changed, but nothing else really changed. And at some point you came to a decision point to break away and build something that was all your own. What was that process like? And was it a hard decision? Uh, Doug, it was a hard decision. And I don't know that I would have ever made it if it hadn't been for the encouragement of our son, Joseph, um, one day coming into my office, I'll never forget it. And he said, dad, we're fighting the firm because we want to do the right thing for our clients and make them money. And they're getting in the way of that process. And that just uh, hit a, a spot with me. And I said, he's right. So after that, we started to take the steps necessary to see what it would take to be an independent broker. And after we went independent, I, my only regret was that we hadn't done it sooner. And we've tried to encourage other people to do it since we took that step. So why don't you think other individuals do it as, as often as you think they should? Well, I think, I think you need two things to do the separation process. One, you need a client base that's very loyal. And my experience has been that most advisors today don't have that kind of a relationship where the client listens to the advice given by the financial consultant 
let's just say 90% of the time, if not 100% of the time. So I think you need that relationship. And there are not that many people that have it, number one. And then number two, it's not an easy process. I mean, to hook up with uh, a Schwab or an LPL or somebody else, they do make it a little easier than if you were to go out on your own um, and not have their backing. But I think you need the combination of both things, the confidence to do it and the willingness and the power of the relationship with your client base to make it work if you're going to do it as an independent. How have clients changed over these years, specifically their expectations? So I think if we back up the clock, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, most clients owned one or two stocks. They didn't have portfolios like we have today. But remember, I mean, clients back in those days had a 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 investment, not the kind of money we're talking about today. So there was more trading to be done. And a lot of the outcomes really depended on just how well you picked those one or two stocks. And uh, you know, when you made a mistake, it was really painful, not only for the clients, but for you as the financial advisor. I mean, you had many a sleepless night. So today, I think that the process is a lot more planning for their future, their retirement, or whatever it may be, helping their grandchildren. Bigger, broader portfolios to diversify so that the shock of a bad decision is minimalized. And, and therefore, I think that the business is a much better business and a sounder business today than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I find fault, by the way, with the media that they always talk of, you, know, you watch TV, they're always talking about a trade, a trade, a trade. My experience has been that traders, no matter how successful they are, sooner or later, do not make as much money as investors do. And I think Warren Buffett's a great example, been a great investor for a long period of time. And time has always been his friend and compounding numbers over 10, 20, 30 years is much more successful than trying to buy something at 20 and selling it for 30. Do you feel the responsibility of being an advisor is different now or has it evolved? No, I think, I think it's different now in that, uh, as I just mentioned, you're building, you're building a relationship based on what the client's needs will be over the next decade as opposed to what he would like to do over the next week or two to make some money. So I think it's a sounder, uh, better practice. It's better for the people in the business, the advisor, and it's better for the client. I think it's a win-win for everybody when you become a real long-term investor. We have some positions, Doug, that we've owned for 30 and 40 years. And the fact that the compounding growth of these companies over that period of time has just been, you know, astronomical. And, you know, the results speak for themselves. I mean, clients are happy and they've made a lot of money, but it's been good management. I think our responsibility in trying to build 
you know, these relationships with people is for us to go out and find the companies that are well managed with a lot of promise and then just make a bet on management and just tag along for the ride. You offered to work in this business for free. You've been in it for a long time. What do you like best about this business? I think for me, um, the thing I like the most is having someone come in with a given sum of money and an objective that requires us to perform well over time and manage that money skillfully so that we accomplish their goals. So I find it a lot of fun to make people money. I mean, for me, I get the biggest kick out of that. You must have garnered some great friends in the industry for being in it for so long, true? Yeah, I mean, my wife talks about the, the blur of friendship and clients. So I would say that a good number of our clients are close friends. I mean, we've vacationed together, we play golf together, we've been at one another's weddings and christenings and things like that. So yeah, it's been a blurry line. Now, you know, that's not a lot of people, but it's probably 15 to 20 that have become really good friends and they're all over the country. Yeah. Do you still own that first stock that you owned? Was it uh, Hormel? No. No. No, no I don't. I, I don't even know. It, it's Armor Meats. Yeah. And I don't even know if they're still in business or they were acquired by somebody. Probably acquired and have a new name. Since this is the Permission to Succeed podcast, what's your advice to someone who wants to make it a career? So the business is based on trust. I think if there's just one word that you can put in to the conversation, it's trust. So in the end, it's people giving us money and trusting us that we will do the right thing for them. I think the importance of the advisor's role today is to A, find out what the client would like to accomplish with their money, and B, how much risk are they willing to take to accomplish that goal, and C, if it's unrealistic, to speak up and say, that's not obtainable with the level of risk that you're willing to take. And lastly, to take the long view. I think that if there was one thing that's been attributable to our success is that we buy into a specific story or you know, a company and we're always looking three to five years down the road and not you know three to five weeks. So it A, makes it easier and it's more rewarding but in the short run, it's tougher to do because you give up income. I mean, if you think about trading, an advisor trading or an advisor holding, I often think of the example that I've given to people that uh, many, many years ago in the 70s, we bought a stock that went up a hundredfold. And literally, we, we got one commission when we bought the stock and never sold it. It was eventually, you know, bought out by someone. Whereas other brokers that I knew were buying and selling and buying and selling. But in the, in the long run, we fared better. And so did the client by having that long view. So I think trust 
and having a long-term perspective is really the two things that can, can add most to the success of any financial advisor. Well said. Joe, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Doug. Thank you. To learn more about Beyondo Investment Advisors, please visit thebeyondogroup.com. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.